Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. You know, it's been just about a little over a year since our news feeds blew up with pictures of burning rail cars in the middle of the country. And we learned about a a really awful environmental disaster. I mean, Aaron Brockovich even got involved. And the truth of the matter is that was not a one-off. And we're going to be talking about a new report that helps us understand the magnitude of the risk that millions of Americans are under uh, to, to experience something just like what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, just about a year ago. And today our guests are Mike Shade. Um, he leads the Toxic Free Futures Mind the Store program, and he was one of the authors of the report that we're going to be talking about. And we have Jess Connard. She is a resident of East Palestine, and she's going to be talking about her own uh experience during this disaster and what she's been doing since then. And so, Mike, I want to start with you. I want to welcome you to Go Green Radio. We're so glad to have you on the show. Let's let's begin um, by having you talk to us about exactly what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, on February 3rd, 2023. Give us a recap. Yeah, thanks so much for having me and uh, having us on the show. Really appreciate it. Well, uh, you know, what happened about a year ago, a little over a year ago, was uh, one of the worst uh, environmental health disasters in modern history. Uh, there were uh, train cars that were traveling uh, from uh, chemical plants in Texas. They were on their way to plastics plants in New Jersey. Uh, and unfortunately, as they were traveling on this route uh, a little over a year ago, uh, a couple dozen train cars uh, derailed. Uh, and caught on fire. Uh, a number of those train cars, about 20 of them roughly, contained various hazardous chemicals, including vinyl chloride, which is a really toxic cancer-causing chemical. Uh, five of those train cars carried uh, about 150,000 gallons of vinyl chloride. Uh, unfortunately, uh, these train cars and others burned uh, for a number of days, uh, releasing a massive toxic plume into the community. Uh, sickening residents as well as first responders. After that initial fire uh, was mostly uh, put out uh, and people, I should say during this period, uh, many people that lived nearby were told to either shelter in place or in some cases uh, evacuate their homes, uh, Norfolk Southern and uh, others uh, decided that it would be Uh, a good idea in their mind to intentionally ignite uh, the train cars that particularly contained vinyl chloride because they were concerned that at least one of the train cars uh, would explode if they did not act. Uh, That actually turned out to be false, uh, but unfortunately uh, they lit these five train cars on fire containing more than 150,000 gallons of vinyl chloride And that made a terrible situation much, much worse. Uh, As a result of intentionally burning uh, these chemicals and these train cars, that set off a a plume of toxic chemicals and particulate matter that traveled literally hundreds of miles 
Uh, I live in New York, about seven hours away from East Palestine, and I can even smell and see the plume where we live uh, here in New York. Uh, this was a terrible uh, disaster that impacted many nearby residents. Um, hundreds of residents were sickened. Many first responders were also sickened. Uh, the government uh, evacuated uh, thousands of people, uh, approximately 2,000 residents roughly in a two square mile area uh, were forced to evacuate, uh, not only in Ohio, but also in Pennsylvania as well. Others that lived further were encouraged to shelter in place. And as a result of this massive disaster, not only did people get sick in the community and communities nearby, uh, fish and wildlife died. There were thousands of animals that died. Uh, and many residents uh, experienced really serious health problems as a result. And today, here we are a year later, and many people in East Palestine continue to suffer uh, from health effects that they believe may be attributable to exposure to vinyl chloride and other toxic chemicals that were released from the derailment. It's also worth noting that this was not only a uh, major release of dangerous chemicals into the air, uh, but also the derailment contaminated uh, nearby streams, uh, killing uh, thousands of fish. And not only were residents sickened from this disaster, but also government employees, uh, including uh, seven of 15 CDC staff who were going door to door in the community to assess whether or not residents were getting sick. Government employees uh, from the CDC also got sick as they were going door to door in the community uh, weeks after this disaster uh, took place. So this was a really terrible disaster that involved one of the most dangerous chemicals that are produced here in the United States, vinyl chloride, a chemical that is used uh, to produce uh, PVC vinyl plastic. Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit, that yeah. in just a little bit. And I want to bring in Jess because, Jess, you live just a couple of miles from the scene of the disaster. And I want to hear a firsthand account. Tell us what you experienced when that happened and what you've been experiencing ever since. Hi, Jill. Yeah, it's great to be on the show today. Thank you so much for the invitation. Um, Mike and I have worked pretty closely over the past year, and I'm so grateful for Toxic Free Futures involvement to help my community. Um, you know, I've been, I'm a generational resident of East Palestine, Ohio. I have lived here pretty much my whole life. Um, both my parents and grandparents were high school sweethearts who graduated from East Palestine High School. And um, generations prior to that, there have been some roads and some some areas that were named after my family in this community. And um, I also have a lot of family in Pennsylvania. Um, East Palestine is a small rural community that sits right on the Pennsylvania border. So as Mike said, you know, there have been lots of folks from Pennsylvania that have been impacted as well. Um, on the night of February 3rd, it was a Friday evening, um, the train actually, the tracks run right behind my home, um, and the train was on fire when it passed by my home. Um, it derailed right about at that two-mile mark, so if you think about it, if it would have derailed a minute sooner, it would have been in my backyard, which is pretty wow. terrifying. Um wow. The train wheels were on fire an hour before it passed by my home, and we still didn't have uh, a warning. We heard sirens pretty much all night long. 
We know now that first responders from 63 fire departments in the tri-state area, Ohio, PA, and West Virginia came to put out a half mile long fire. So I'm incredibly grateful for our first responders. Um, We were one of the folks, uh, we were the folks that were advised to shelter in place, but being right at that two mile mark, it was pretty terrifying. Um, Once the initial fire was out, the terrifying part was when the vinyl chloride they said there was going to be an imminent explosion, which again, as Mike, you know, had already said, that was not necessary. Actually, the owners of the vinyl chloride came out repeatedly um, and testified that the imminent explosion was never going to happen. Um, so we're still not really sure why they decided to purposely drain five rail cars of vinyl chloride into the soil, into a ditch and then light it up. Um, Only one of the cars was leaking and why they chose five, I'm not sure. Um, As the weekend unfolded, you know, we, we, we started to hear about this vent and burn. And again, being right at that two mile mark, I got spooked. So Monday afternoon, February 6th, I told my kids it was about a half an hour before they had planned to do this vent and burn. I just started throwing clothes into a bag and we headed out of town. Um, while we were out of town, we got a a text message. My brother's on, on council. So he had received a text message that everything was a success. Um, when we returned, there were just, just a big black plume of smoke. Um, at the time we were told the smell was not toxic. Uh, we know that that's not true. Uh, we know that, you know, that those decisions to shelter in place that week most likely caused us to have exposure to these chemicals. Um, I know we're going to talk about my work with Beyond Plastics, but my colleague, Judith Inc., uh, who previously worked at the EPA, said the decision to vent and burn was unprecedented. She had never heard of that happening before. And she feels like the EPA deferred too much to the governor and the governor deferred too much to Norfolk Southern in reaching that decision. So ultimately it was just to get a train through. Wow. Just, I want to ask you another question because I, I'm curious, before this happened, did you know that this chemical was being transported through your town? I mean, were you advised that this was ever a risk? No, never. I've been neighbors with the train for a long time. Um, It's hard to avoid when your town is only two miles wide, but um, it was never a a pesky neighbor, sometimes a noisy neighbor, but, you know, we used to have fun with it. We used to look at the art and, you know, oh my goodness, (laughs) there's 25 tractor cars on this one, you know, or how many Mm -hmm. engines does this have? It was, it's just a part of our culture. So never in a million years that I think that, you know, 700,000 gallons of a carcinogen was just chugging through my backyard. Do you think people should be uh, alerted to that kind of thing? I mean, do you think you have a right to know those kinds of things? Um, I think there should be a way to access the information, but I mean, this is essentially a bomb train. So I think it does create quite a hazard if, you know, this is publicly available information. Um, So I think I have concerns about who has access to the information, but, you know, certainly those that would be impacted by a train derailment um, should be able to to access that in some manner. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, this is something that's happening under the radar screen and the, the people who are impacted 
should should know, um, should understand this. And we're going to be talking about this report that Mike and his colleagues put together, and and it's going to explain to us how many people are at risk for going through the same nightmare that you just described. I mean, I can't imagine, um, you know, with kids, <laughs> uh, you know, the the terror that you must have felt. And I think there are a lot of people who are unaware that there is a bomb train coming through their community, well said on your part, um, who are in the same predicament, and this could happen at any time to them. And so we're going to talk about that with Mike in just a few uh, moments, but we're going to be taking a quick commercial break. And while we do, uh, I'm going to encourage our listeners to open up a new tab in your web browser and go to Toxic Free Future. And you're going to be able to access their report. And it's it would be great if you could follow along with us um, and look at this report as we're talking, because I think that a lot of us actually live in the zone uh, that we're going to be talking about. And it'd be good for you guys to see some maps and see how that's going. So we're going to be back in just a few moments. Don't go away. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Clorox has been a leader in the cleaning industry for over a century, providing effective and innovative cleaning solutions as customers' needs evolve. The Clorox EcoClean product line offers a disinfecting cleaner, all-purpose, and glass cleaner made with EPA Safer Choice and designed for the environment-approved ingredients to help facilities cultivate clean and healthy spaces. Clorox EcoClean, naturally-derived products that get the job done. Learn more at CloroxPro.com. The Go Green Initiative is a nonprofit that works with K-12 school districts to accomplish two vital goals, to protect children's health from environmental toxins, and to conserve natural resources for future generations. We believe no child's health should be harmed at school, so we work to ensure schools have safe, clean drinking water, clean indoor air quality, and food supplies that are free from harmful chemicals. Schools can conserve tremendous amounts of natural resources that their students will need in the future, so we help schools conserve energy and water, as well as reduce waste. These actions also decrease schools' greenhouse gas emissions, which lead to climate change. Children in environmental justice and low food access communities are the most impacted by environmental challenges. And the Go Green Initiative directs the overwhelming majority of our time and resources to school districts in those communities. To learn more and to support our mission, visit www.gogreeninitiative.org. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. We're talking about vinyl chloride. We're talking about the derailment and subsequent burning of vinyl chloride um, about a year ago uh, when train a train carrying this chemical derailed and was on fire in East Palestine, Ohio. And we just heard the terrifying account of a mom trying to protect her kids who was right next to the rail. Um, and, and Mike, I want to go to you because we just heard that people in multiple states were impacted by this train derailment and disaster. What's the so what of it all? What's the human health impact uh, of vinyl chloride exposure? Why should we be concerned about this? <clears throat> yeah, we've known about the dangers of vinyl chloride for decades, going back to the 1960s and the 1970s, uh, from studies both on animals but also workers who work in plastics plants uh, involving vinyl chloride. And from that research, we've learned that vinyl chloride is one of the few chemicals that the federal government classifies as a known human carcinogen. Otherwise, it's known to cause cancer in people. It's been linked to liver cancer, lung cancer, even brain cancer. This is a really nasty chemical that can pose not only long-term health risks to people that may be exposed, but also short-term exposure can also be problematic, which is something that we saw in East Palestine last year. Uh, exposure can cause dizziness and fatigue, drowsiness, headaches, uh, even uh, loss of consciousness. Uh, so this is really one of the most toxic chemicals that are produced and used here in the United States. The chemical industry produces more than uh, up to 20 billion pounds of this cancer-causing chemical. And as we saw in East Palestine, uh, when it derails, this can have devastating impacts on local communities, especially for their health and wellness. And your new report sets out to quantify how many Americans are at risk for an exposure just like Jess described to us in East Palestine, Ohio. Walk us through your findings. Yeah, so we wanted to understand exactly, well, how much vinyl chloride is shipped by rail on a daily basis, on an annual basis. It was really striking to us that the vinyl chloride was traveling such a long distance from oxyvinyls chemical plants uh, near Houston, Texas, and they were traveling all the way to oxyvinyls plastics plants in New Jersey. That's a nearly 2,000 mile journey. So we wanted to understand, well, how much vinyl chloride is shipped on a regular basis and on an annual basis? And we found that at any given moment, there are 200 rail cars that are traveling across the country, traveling nearly 2,000 miles, carrying vinyl chloride uh, containing up to 36 million pounds of this cancer-causing chemical. And this, uh, this shipment is putting millions of Americans at risk. Uh, we looked at and mapped not only the route that vinyl chloride is regularly shipped, but we also looked at how many people live in close proximity. And we found that there are more than 3 million Americans that live within a one mile radius of this rail shipment. We also found that there are more than 1500 schools also in close proximity. And the reason we looked at a one mile radius is because in the event of a major train derailment, with the train cars ca catching fire, like we saw in East Palestine, the federal government recommends at least a one mile evacuation zone. 
In some places, that can involve tens of thousands of people. For example, one of the cities where vinyl chloride regularly travels through is Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And we found that there are 60,000 people within a one mile radius of that rail transport where vinyl chloride is regularly shipped. So this, uh, this regular shipment of vinyl chloride is completely unnecessary and puts millions of Americans at risk day in and day out. As we saw in East Palestine, and this is extremely concerning given how hazardous vinyl chloride can be to our health for both ordinary consumers and residents who live along the train route, as well as first responders who may be ill-prepared to respond in a major disaster like we saw in East Palestine mm-hmm. last year. Jess, I want to pivot to you. You know, we hear from Mike how dangerous and hazardous and what a what a human health risk this chemical poses. So I think, well, gosh, it must be really necessary. It must be some matter of national security that we have to have this stuff for something really important. But I want to ask you, what is vinyl chloride used for? That's a really good question. So as Mike said, vinyl chloride has been a known carcinogen uh, for quite a while, 50 years, 1974. Uh, During that time, vinyl chloride was taken out of products uh, used for cosmetics and hairspray. um, And that was a really important step. Um, We know right now that over 99% of vinyl chloride is used to make polyvinyl chloride, which is also known as PVC or your number three plastics. Um, So if you turn your your item over and you see the little triangle, it'll have a number three in it. So those are are the PVC plastics. These are plastics that, in my opinion, pollute the world in the name of profits. Um, They have found PVC uh, pollution as far as the Arctic Ocean in Arctic ice, um, enough to you know, call it a plastic sink, which is really unfortunate. Um, PVC plastic products, again, really cannot be recycled. So keep recycling your number one and your number two plastics. Those go for mechanical recycling and they could eventually find a new home um, in the recycling chain before they go to the waste stream. Um, But PVC plastic products cannot be recycled. They're used for items like Uh, Drinking water pipes, vinyl siding on homes, credit cards, shower curtains, kids' toys that they're chewing on, and a lot of it is used for single-use plastic packaging. So this is a a product that seems to be very ubiquitous in our environment. And, you know, despite all of those health concerns that uh, Mike has already talked about, you know, it's really unfortunate that we continue to use this product when we have safe alternatives for every single PVC product on the market. Um, PVC plastic poisoning has been identified around the world. It's already banned in Canada, Spain, South Korea, Czech Republic. Um, Big name companies like Target, Walmart, Nestle, Aldi, and Unilever have all announced that they would stop using PVC packaging by, by next year, 2025. Um, you know, they all know the dangers of this chemical and the poison and pollution that is caused by its product. So, you know, my work with Beyond Plastics and with with Mike uh, at Toxic Free Future is we are pushing for the United States Environmental Protection Agency to ban vinyl chloride. We think this is not only 
an opportunity, a, a necessity, but an obligation. Mm-hmm. Well said. Now, Mike, you know, we talked about the derailment that happened in East Palestine. Um, but besides the risk of the derailment during the transport of uh, vinyl chloride, what other hazards are associated with the production and the manufacturing processes that involve this chemical? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, some of the some of the biggest impacts are to workers and to communities that live near vinyl production plants. Uh, vinyl chloride is just one of numerous chemicals that are used in the production of PVC plastic. Other highly hazardous chemicals are used, including chlorine gas, which uh, was a chemical warfare agent during World War One. Uh, other hazardous substances include PFAS, mercury, asbestos are also used during the production. And the use of these and other chemicals pose serious risks to both communities and to workers where vinyl chloride and PVC manufacturing plants uh, are located. Uh, every year on an annual basis, the vinyl industry pumps out more than 400,000 pounds of vinyl chloride into the air which poses serious cancer risks to communities, uh, particularly in the Gulf South, in places like Louisiana and Texas, where most vinyl plants are located. Uh, this is also a major issue of environmental justice and racism. Uh, most vinyl plants are not located in wealthy communities, but they're often located in low-income communities and communities of color, especially African-American and Latino communities who are disproportionately exposed to not only vinyl chloride, but other chemicals that are used uh, in its production. Uh, we've also seen that the contamination in some cases uh, has been uh, so, so bad that there have been a number of communities in Louisiana that have been forced to completely evacuate and relocate uh, their towns because of contamination from the vinyl plastics industry. Uh, one example of that is Mossville, Louisiana, which was a historic African-American community founded by descendants of slaves. Uh, and over time, their community was surrounded by vinyl chloride production plants like Westlake, who is the biggest polluter of vinyl chloride in the country. And uh, Westlake and other companies polluted this community. And over time, the contamination got so bad that uh, residents started developing cancer and other serious health problems. And today, most of Mossville no longer exists. Uh, most people that lived in that community have been forced to evacuate this historic African-American community because of contamination from the production of vinyl chloride and PVC plastic. So it's just, production. Yeah. I, I want to pivot to Jess real quick because mm -hmm. this is this is just a... a a human uh, <laughs> tragedy. And and Jess, I want to ask you, what can the average American do to help eliminate these threats posed by vinyl chloride? That's a great question, Jill. And as somebody who does consider themselves an average American, um, I'm here to tell you that a little over a year ago today, I was a speech language pathologist. And now I am the Appalachia Director for Beyond Plastics, leading a campaign, a national campaign to ban vinyl chloride because of what we've gone through. So I am a full 
full-blown activist at this point. (laughs) And I fully support anybody that wants to write a letter, make a phone call. You can submit a comment to the EPA. We are within the comment period, um, uh, you know, pertaining to uh, banning vinyl chloride. So there are lots of things that you can do to educate yourself and educate your community. Um, I think writing a letter uh, to your congressperson to urge them to support this ban on vinyl chloride, um, but really just taking that first step and, and, you know, educating yourself on what's going on in your area. Absolutely. Absolutely. And getting out on your website uh, gives people a way to engage beyond plastics um, and also Toxic Free Future. Both of those organizations have ways to get engaged and get involved. And so I I urge our listeners to do that. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have much more to talk about right after this. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. At Voice America TRN. The Go Green Initiative is a nonprofit that works with K through 12 school districts to accomplish two vital goals to protect children's health from environmental toxins and to conserve natural resources for future generations. We believe no child's health should be harmed at school, so we work to ensure schools have safe, clean drinking water, clean indoor air quality, and food supplies that are free from harmful chemicals. Schools can conserve tremendous amounts of natural resources that their students will need in the future. So we help schools conserve energy and water, as well as reduce waste. These actions also decrease schools' greenhouse gas emissions, which lead to climate change. Children in environmental justice and low food access communities are the most impacted by environmental challenges. And the Go Green Initiative directs the overwhelming majority of our time and resources to school districts in those communities. To learn more and to support our mission, visit www.gogreeninitiative.org. Clorox has been a leader in the cleaning industry for over a century, providing effective and innovative cleaning solutions as customers' needs evolve. The Clorox EcoClean product line offers a disinfecting cleaner, all-purpose, and glass cleaner made with EPA Safer Choice and designed for the environment-approved ingredients to help facilities cultivate clean and healthy spaces. Clorox EcoClean, naturally-derived products that get the job done. Learn more at CloroxPro.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. If your dander isn't up yet, (laughs) please join us because I'll tell you, talking about what happened in East Palestine, Ohio, this time last year, the derailment of these train cars that were carrying vinyl chloride and what it's done to the community is just beyond the pale. And the fact is, it could happen again and again and again. Um, And this new report that Mike has helped to write from Toxic Free Future exposes the fact that millions of Americans are at risk of experiencing what the 
folks in East Palestine experienced a year ago. And just I want to go back to this issue of burning the the rail cars that contained the vinyl chloride because I, I'm I'm pretty wrinkled about that. <laughs> Who gets to make that decision? Um, and and tell us more about how that decision was made. Who was involved? And uh, what you know about that fatal decision. We still have a lot of questions about that decision. Um, So after the initial train fire was put out, attention quickly turned to one of the leaking vinyl chloride cars. And the decisions that were made over that weekend were made by a group of individuals called Incident Command. So this would have been... um, local leaders from our community, the fire chief, uh, I believe the governor, Norfolk Southern, Oxyvinyls were all in that incident command. Um, I'm sure there's others uh, that I'm leaving out in this moment. Um, But essentially, this group of people um, made the decision uh, to that, that there was going to be an imminent explosion. Um, we do know now that OxyVinyl testified they repeatedly advised officials that a vent and burn was not necessary. The EPA has thrown their hands up about this decision as well, saying that they had nothing to do with it. Um, and our fire chief from East Palestine has testified that he was only given 13 minutes to make this decision. Um While I was evacuated, as we know, not one, but five cars of vinyl chloride were drained into a ditch and purposely put on fire. Um, (laughs) We know that based on a community meeting with the CDC, that those who remained in town were exposed to toxic chemicals. And at that meeting, we were told there was nothing that could be done about our exposures, but that they could treat our cancers. Um, There was a there was a huge weather inversion that day that caused the chemicals to remain in our town rather than blow away. Um, So, you know, while I appreciate that there are cancer treatments for these chemicals, you know, that decision to vent and burn is really what uprooted my community. If the train had been carrying sustainable materials like bamboo or hemp or or wheat, we wouldn't be in this position if, if we utilized alternative methods um, to to make products rather than mm-hmm. make it out of this toxic vinyl chloride. You know, our, our protected waterways would not still be contaminated. We would not have had those contaminated exposures. Um, you know, and it, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to this June when, when the National Transportation Safety Board, uh, you know, comes back to my, my town for a hearing. We'll know a little bit more information or hopefully all of the information at that point about that vent and burn, but I don't think that's going to happen until June. Unreal. You know, I'm so sorry, Jess. I mean, and thank you for sharing all of this with us. Um, Mike, to you, I mean, this happened before. This is the incredible thing. And this is why I get kind of, you know, I've got a burr in my saddle about this because East Mm -hmm. Palestine wasn't the first incident of this. Um, Tell us what happened in uh, Paulsboro, New Jersey. Yeah, and that's why we wanted to understand, well, how much vinyl chloride is shipped across the country? Because as you said, this was not the first time that this has happened. So a dozen years ago in New Jersey, there was a similar derailment. And interestingly, it involved the very same company, OxyVinyls, who was, again, 
shipping vinyl chloride from their chemical plants in Texas to uh, a plastics plant that they operate in New Jersey. Uh, in this case, uh, there were three oxy rail cars containing vinyl chloride that uh, derailed. They actually plunged from a bridge into a water body, and one of those tanker cars uh, was punctured as a result. And in that case, that released more than 20,000 gallons of vinyl chloride into the air. And it created literally a, a vapor cloud that you could see uh, in the air that was traveling through town. And as a result, that sickened dozens of area residents, first responders. Uh, there was a CDC survey uh, that found that more than 250 residents and first responders uh, went to the emergency room. Uh, unfortunately, many first responders did not wear proper uh, safety equipment. A number of them got sick. Uh, and according to the Department of Health from the state of New Jersey, uh, they found that uh, the symptoms that people experienced in that incident uh, were consistent with vinyl chloride. And in fact, the levels of vinyl chloride that were released in that disaster were so high, uh, it could have killed people in the immediate area. Uh, where this happened. So this has happened before, and it's probably going to happen again, because we found, as we talked about, on an annual basis, more than 1 billion pounds of vinyl chloride are shipped by rail across the country. And this is why we are working really hard to press the EPA to take action on this chemical, and to also call on companies to do their part to phase out and ban this cancer-causing chemical once and for all. Because it's yeah. only a matter of time before this happens again. Unbelievable. Why can't we learn? Um, Jess, is your community getting all the resources that it needs from the federal government to recover from this disaster? The short answer is no. Um, you know, we recognize scientifically that no one may ever be able to say with certainty all of the chemicals that people were exposed to or the concentrations or how long the exposure lasted. Um, we do know that the CDC has uh, stated that people were exposed to a broad mixture of toxic chemicals. Um, combined and cumulative effects at this point are unknown. Um, we know that there are similar uncertainties that folks have experienced in history, um, such as the toxic smoke resulting from destruction of the World Trade Center towers in New York. Mm -hmm. um, we know American soldiers exposed to emissions from burn pit smoke in Iraq and Afghanistan. Both of these situations, the federal government stepped up. They recognized that, you know, the scientific information linking these exposures was impossible to assess. Uh, it was missing. It was maybe it was incomplete. So to address the needs of these victims, of these survivors, the federal government you know, used a presumptive approach uh, that exposures were likely to be the cause of health problems suffered by these people. And mm -hmm. so the federal government did provide, um, you know, solutions for these populations. So this is why, you know, myself and, and several of the East Palestine advocates are strongly recommending a major disaster declaration for East Palestine. Uh, we have worked tirelessly with uh, elected officials, Senator Vance, Senator Brown, um, you know, of Ohio. We are really urging for immediate and long-term health care for this community and the surrounding areas, um, a long-term medical assessment program, 
Uh, we need financial resources for anyone that lives near the contaminated creeks to be able to permanently relocate if that's something they choose to do. It would be really nice to have some comprehensive res residential uh, indoor air testing, soil mm -hmm. testing, dioxins and furans. I mean, these are all very common sense things that the federal government can step in and provide. And, you know, everyone's all about sticking it to Norfolk Southern. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, it's so important to provide the services that the people need to heal. And if the federal government wants to send the bill to Norfolk Southern, then I'm certainly not going to stop them. Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, you guys need that in your community. Guess who else needs it? The folks that are around the processing and and the you know the the manufacturing plants. I mean, you know, we heard Mike talk about you know the workers that work there, the communities around there. In fact, I looked at the EPA's EJ screening mapping tool, which I use quite a bit in my work with the Go Green Initiative, and I looked around the oxyvinyl plants. You know, some of them are are located in kind of rural areas that should be pretty pristine. But guess what? They light up like a Christmas tree when you start putting in some of the pollution, um, you know, filters into that mapping tool. And there's only one reason <laughs> why that would be. And so I, I really feel like um, this is, we need a comprehensive solution. Um, but that doesn't mean that your community needs to wait for a comprehensive solution. But we've got a lot of folks who've been sacrificial lambs um, on the altar of profit for products that have safer alternatives, as you said, Jess. You know, Mike, in your report, you mentioned Home Depot. What role does that company play in both the current market for vinyl chloride products and the future of the, the market for products containing this dangerous chemical? Yeah, so as we discussed, the number one use of vinyl chloride is to make PVC plastic, and the number one use of PVC is in building materials like vinyl siding, vinyl flooring. Uh, the Home Depot is the largest retailer of building materials, not only here in the U.S., but also in the world. And we think that they could play an important role in working with their suppliers to sell safer products that don't contain PVC plastic, products made with vinyl chloride that are impacting communities like East Palestine and other communities around the U.S. and places like Louisiana and Texas and Kentucky. One of the things we found in the report that was really interesting is before the train cars derailed, uh, they were on their way to this plastics plant in New Jersey. And this plant has been making vinyl chloride into PVC plastic that's used in vinyl flooring that is sold at retailers like the Home Depot. So we found a connection between the vinyl chloride that derailed and the Home Depot. And we think as a major retailer, they can really help clean up the marketplace by getting this toxic poison plastic off of store shelves. They've done it before. They've banned phthalates in vinyl flooring. They've gotten PFAS out of carpets and rugs. They've restricted other chemicals and cleaning products they've sold. Home Depot has shown leadership in addressing other harmful chemicals and products they sell. And they as sure the world's largest home improvement chain, we think that they could play an important role in bringing safer products to market so that Agreed. no other community has to go through what Jess and her neighbors have gone through. Well said, Mike. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we've got so much more to talk about. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. 
VoiceAmerica.com. Clorox has been a leader in the cleaning industry for over a century, providing effective and innovative cleaning solutions as customers' needs evolve. The Clorox EcoClean product line offers a disinfecting cleaner, all-purpose, and glass cleaner made with EPA Safer Choice and designed for the environment-approved ingredients to help facilities cultivate clean and healthy spaces. Clorox EcoClean, naturally-derived products that get the job done. Learn more at CloroxPro.com. The Go Green Initiative is a nonprofit that works with K-12 school districts to accomplish two vital goals, to protect children's health from environmental toxins and to conserve natural resources for future generations. We believe no child's health should be harmed at school, so we work to ensure schools have safe, clean drinking water, clean indoor air quality, and food supplies that are free from harmful chemicals. Schools can conserve tremendous amounts of natural resources that their students will need in the future, so we help schools conserve energy and water as well as reduce waste. These actions also decrease schools' greenhouse gas emissions, which lead to climate change. Children in environmental justice and low food access communities are the most impacted by environmental challenges, and the Go Green Initiative directs the overwhelming majority of our time and resources to school districts in those communities. To learn more and to support our mission, visit www.gogreeninitiative.org. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. Jess, I know you've touched on this a little bit, but I want to give you time to really explain to us what you are now advocating for. Now that you've seen the impact of vinyl chloride on your community, you know, what's your battle cry? What are you working on? How can we help? Yeah, so I live by the firm belief that we should not let a crisis go to waste. There are a lot of things that we can learn about East Palestine, and I'm more so interested in the actionable takeaways. So for my advocacy work, I've worked really hard to make East Palestine the disaster, the vinyl chloride spill, a catalyst for change. And this is so important when a community is thrust into the spotlight like we have been, we have to recognize that East Palestine is a symptom of a much larger issue. Um, Primarily, my work is uh, working to lead the national campaign to ban vinyl chloride. The United States uh, EPA does have this authority under something called the Toxic Substance Control Act or TOSCA, 
TSCA. Um, this legislation provides a broad authority to regulate chemicals across their life cycle. So this would be from manufacturing, um, you know, those facilities that are located primarily in uh, low income black and brown communities, um, all the way through disposal. Uh, it's roughly a six year process, uh, give or take a little bit. Um, and there is some good news is that vinyl chloride has been named as of December, uh, one of the five chemicals that will undergo a risk assessment uh, this year. So if you're interested in hopping aboard and joining that advocacy, hopping aboard, huh, a train time, <laughs> um, there, there is a 90-day comment period currently underway uh, right now that will end about mid-March, and then there will be another 90-day comment period later this year. So again, and working to make East Palestine a catalyst for change is is where my advocacy, where my heart lies. Um, and and while I agree, you know, rail safety definitely needs a hefty rail a hefty revamp. Um, you know, it's that vinyl chloride that's responsible for uprooting my community and impacting so many others every single day. It's not it's not just a a transportation issue, you know, these these facilities are all across the nation. So um, again, recognizing that broader issue uh, is is so important. Yeah, recognizing root cause. And like you said, if that train had been carrying bamboo, <laughs> you'd be fine, right? So, I mean, right. it really, it's going to root cause. What really was the problem? Yes, you know, transportation safety is a big deal. We need to do our best. But what in the world are we thinking transporting something this dangerous through people's backyards? I, I for the life of me. Uh, so, Mike, let's let's uh, get off my soapbox for a second. And um, I want you to talk to us about the role that the EPA but also government at every level. What what role should they be playing in addressing the dangers of vinyl chloride? Yeah, great question. Well, I think Jess hit the nail on the head when she said that now is the time for EPA to move forward and ban vinyl chloride under the Toxic Substances Control Act. We've known about the dangers of vinyl chloride going back to the 1960s and 1970s. In fact, the original law was created to address hazardous chemicals like vinyl chloride in the first place. Uh, the good news is, as just noted, EPA is now looking at vinyl chloride. Uh, it's worth noting that in recent years, EPA has proposed banning other similar uh, cancer-causing chemicals like methylene chloride, trichloroethylene, and PERC. So if they're proposing restrictions on similar cancer-causing chlorinated chemicals, they should do the same here. We mm -hmm. should also note that states have a role to play as well. States like California and New York and Washington are also considering laws or regulations that would ban PVC plastic and materials like packaging. In Washington state, the state is not only looking at packaging, but building materials as well. So we also think that states have an important role to play while EPA is going through this process, states should not sit back and wait. States should move forward and enact laws and regulations to ban vinyl chloride and PVC plastic so that communities do not continue to be poisoned from the production and the disposal of this dangerous chemical. 
Well, it occurs to me as well that we have a precedence for this. I mean, I'm not saying this is the best solution, but there's a reason why uh, in the nuclear world, with all the nuclear power plants that we have, um, that all of the uh, spent materials are not transported to a centralized hub. People decided that they did not want that material being you know, railed through their communities. Now that makes for a very inefficient, uh, you know, uh, disposal situation at a lot of our nuclear power facilities, but people did not want rail cars with spent nuclear material coming through their neighborhood. Makes sense. And, you know, this is a similar situation. So just a thought there. Jess, I know that you've been doing some work in environmental justice communities. Um, many of these communities have to deal with vinyl chloride and the upshot of its um, exposure every day. Uh, and, and they were doing so for a long time before what happened in your community. Talk to us about what you've learned about the environmental justice aspect of this issue. Thanks. Yeah. So, Environmental justice, a lot of folks really consider that to be more of the the BIPOC communities. And while that is true, it is also low income. And um, it is a racial issue as well. Um, but East Palestine is a community that has 60% uh, of us uh, live below the poverty income guideline. Um, so, you know, some say after this that my community is you know, doomed for an end life of cancer. We have an entire uh, spread of river in Louisiana that's known as Cancer Alley. So it it feels very similar. Um, and and maybe that's true. Maybe maybe those folks, you know, they obviously have an in higher incidence of cancer. But I think ultimately, when it comes to environmental justice, you know, some folks maybe don't identify as that. But what what truly identifies someone as an activist isn't necessarily where they live. Um, you know, the idea is what qualifies you to work as an activist is maybe that you um, know someone who is a frontline community member like me, or maybe you know a journalist who writes about this. Um, a lot of people that work in this field or that fight for these rights are not chemists, we're not engineers, we're not environmental lawyers. Um, you know, you asked me, what can the average American do? Um, what qualifies us to do this work? Is it necessarily that we've been through it or that we live in a certain space? Um, if, if, if folks who are oppressed... It, they qualify to be able to talk about the problems of the oppressor, problems that the oppressor might not even know they have. So when you consider things like what gives women the qualifications to talk about toxic masculinity, well, they're not men, they're women, but they can still talk about it. It's it's what gives Black people the qualifications to talk about white supremacy and, and homeless people the qualifications to talk about hostile architecture, they're not architects. It's its what gives LGBTQ children qualifications to talk about social oppression and give parenting advice when they've never been parents. So what can the average American do? What qualifies you to be in this field to do this work is simply your will to stand in solidarity with someone who has suffered and to help prevent more suffering. So while I'm a frontline community member, 
member, maybe some folks that are listening are not, um, but you can still get involved. You can still be an activist and help prevent more suffering, not just in the communities that are currently suffering, but maybe future communities and generations as well. Well said, Jess. Thank you for that perspective. And I know that a lot of our listeners um, feel that that call to solidarity with those who have suffered environmental injustices based on a whole lot of factors, not the least of which is, um, you know, just poor public policy making um, that does not take human health into account. That's the end of our show today, guys. We'll be here same time, same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.